the book of John, we're in the, the third message of a, of a series that I've called Transformed, that uh, what, what God calls us to and what Christ does for us is not just make us better people, but uh, uh, all things become new. We become a new creation in Christ. He transforms us from the inside out. So that's what we've been talking about. We started with the, the story of the loaves and fishes a few weeks ago. How God or how Jesus took uh, five loaves and two fish and multiplied them, and they fed five thousand people. And then last week, uh, how Jesus calmed a storm, came to the disciples on a boat, reminded them that He uh, is Lord of of all, and that He not only calmed them, but He He helped them to get to the other side. And and Christ transforms us in a way that moves us in the middle of our storms to the other side of those because by his presence he makes us not only able to keep moving forward but but uh, gives us the strength, the power, the ability to remain with him and trust him as we go forward. So that's uh, those two came out of John 6. Today we continue in the sixth chapter of John with that uh, continuing story actually in verse 22 of John chapter 6, and we're going to start out by reading through the verse 34. I think it's going to be up on the screen, but it continues this thought about the bread of life. Jesus talks about the bread of life in this passage. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told him, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Today, the, the message is on our hearts being open. First message, our, making our hands available, how Christ transforms what we open our hands to give. And last week, our heads up, keeping our eyes on Jesus so he can transform us from the inside out. And today, it's our hearts being open. You see, the verses just read talked about this crowd that had gotten fed bread, physical bread, by Jesus. And, and they wanted more of that. But Jesus said, I've got some different kind of bread to give you. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Many years ago during the French Revolution, uh, there were mobs and crowds in Paris 
that were outside the palace of Queen Marie Antoinette. And uh, they were protesting the, the uh, lack of bread that, uh, that they could get. There was literally no bread. And, and, and for the majority of the population, bread already out of their budget took about half of what they, they made just to get bread on the table. And so they were saying, give us more bread. And Marie Antoinette, the queen, uh, gave this response, and maybe you've heard it, let them eat cake. You ever hear that? And, and actually the cake she was talking about was a, was a more expensive bread than what they normally got. So it was a very kind of cold-hearted, indifferent response to the plea of the people, give us bread, we need bread, there's a lack of bread, let them eat cake. That's just kind of a demonstration of often how, how life is. We, we pour out our hearts about something or, or we're in need of something and the world around us often just kind of says, so what? Do what you have to do. Instead of actually doing something to, to make something happen, to meet a need. Bread is, is a symbol in the Bible Always of, of a staple of life. We, when you think of bread in the Bible, it's, it's what we need to be sustained. So the Lord's Prayer says, give us this day our daily bread, meaning the provision that we need day by day. We need bread to live, meaning we need the kinds of things, clothing, food, and shelter to be sustained on a daily basis. Uh, bread is another word for money used a lot. We, we need some bread. We need some more money. But what it comes out of is that, that need to have the things that sustain us and keep us going. Now, in our culture, for the most part, the, the majority of Americans have their, their basic needs met of food and clothing and shelter. Certainly not all. But we live in a more affluent culture than, than the vast majority of the world. And particularly if you go to some places in the world, we used to take mission trips to Honduras. People lived on about $500 a year. Food and clothing and shelter was, was at a barely subsistence level, let alone sustainable. So we don't often think in our own lives about, am I going to be able to eat today or other questions like that? Probably more often than not in many parts of our culture. It's, well, can I afford more stuff? I need more bread because I I, I want more stuff. That's kind of the, the mentality of our culture. And it was the mentality of these people who were fed by Jesus. Hey, he gave us bread. Where is he? He's on the other side of the lake. We need some more bread. And they expected Jesus to give them more bread. Jesus addressed all of this in the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses from Matthew uh, chapter 6, starting with verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where, moth and rust, where moths eat them and rust destroys them. 
And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. goes on to say, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be drawn, you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, what Jesus was trying to say in that passage was, was this. The, the, the whole thing about um, the stuff of life, uh, the, the things of life, it, it's kind of an insatiable path that we stay on. When we get past the basics of life, we, we're not just satisfied with that way. Well, if I just had a little more, you ask most people, how much money do you need? Well, just a little more than what I had. That's kind of always where people are, it seems like. Uh, and, 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 and we think, well, if I just had this much more money, then I could do this. Because we kind of escalate it, don't we? Well, Jesus understands that. He knows that we are in our humanness. We need things. It's just the priorities that often can get so out of balance in life. Because things can, can easily just become a focus. And Jesus said very clearly, you've got to figure it out. You can't have two masters. He knows we need stuff. But he says there's bread that goes deeper than that. This is one of the crossroads of life, I think, for all of us. It's, it's why in those verses Jesus said, Figure it out. You can't serve two masters. We either are are willing to to let God be God of all of our life and and let the things of life take their place, or we we just kind of move to, I I just want stuff. I need stuff. At the end of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, that's the true priority. We seek the kingdom first, kingdom issues, the things that I mentioned, the relationships of life, all of the things that are a part of eternal matters. And then Jesus says, if you seek that first, all these things will be added. I like what it says at the end of the Old Testament, Micah 6, 8. Sometimes this verse is quoted often. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Some translations say to do justice and to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. You see, those are that's the eternal bread that God gives us. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. He devoted his life, a very talented man, a a man of great order, as we know. I have a dream. But he devoted his life to, to issues that would bring equality and justice in our culture. And he paid a huge price. But he had his priorities. And he changed the culture. And to this day, we, we honor him. You see, the, the things of God are not so tangible, so, so we don't always know, well, well how do I define that? But, 
as we walk through this sermon, we'll talk about that a little more. But seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added. When I was a senior in high school, this, this kind of came into my life in a more vivid way because I was getting ready to graduate and uh, didn't really have strong direction yet at that time. I knew I wanted to go to college and, and get some kind of degree so that I could get bread, <laughs> or food, clothing, and shelter. And, and I forget the particular thing about it, but in church one Sunday... Somehow that, that just came real to me. Craig, there's, there's more to this decision than just the bread you're going to make. There's other things to consider. There's more to life. There, there, there's things in the bigger picture that God is saying to you. Well, I didn't know how to sort that out at the time, particularly all in and make it all known. But a couple years later, uh, between my sophomore and junior years of college, and I think I've mentioned this to you at least once in the sermon, I, I was kind of confronted with that again. God was calling me into ministry, and I, one of my fears about ministry was, well, um, am I going to have enough to get the stuff I want? And, and, and really, the Lord just kind of impressed on me. If you'll take care of my people through the years, I'll take care of you. See, that's a variation of seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added. So I had to trust that. It'll be 50 years ago this summer. Never missed a paycheck when I was working all the time. A meal. Always had clothes. Things weren't always lucrative, but God honored that. It works. But we have to come to that point in our own spirit. That's, that's got to be something that, that becomes real for us. So what it boils down to in this first part of the passage is two things. First of all, physical bread satisfies the body. We know we need physical things to sustain life. And, and there's a lot of stuff that goes beyond that that we want. So, physical bread will satisfy that stuff. But history shows us, and individually in our life, it it tells us that's not all we live for. If that's where we stop, there's going to be holes in our life. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 16, 25, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. He says that in a couple of different ways in other passages. But what he's saying is this. If, if all you do is seek to, to save what, what you get and, and, and get more and get more until you have whatever you think is enough, you lose your life. You lose what's really life. But whoever loses his life for me will find it, will find more and more life. So Jesus often came back to that so that people would know what decision they're making. Physical bread will always satisfy the body. We know, God knows we need it. God knows that uh, life is sustained by bread. 
but his bread, spiritual bread, satisfies the soul. These verses that I've read, the passage in Matthew, and this passage where Jesus is speaking to these people and saying, look, there's more to life. I gave you bread, but I've got a different kind of bread for you. And this is how we get transformed. We make that decision in our heart. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're seeking to live a life that honors him, that, that crossroad, that dividing line is going to come sometime in your spirit. And we answer that individually. The Lord never pressures us to do anything in particular about it, but he, he impresses upon us. If you really want to find life, eternal things, things that last forever, follow me and keep following. The legend is told of... Uh, of a daredevil guy named the Great Blondin. Blondin. He preceded some of the daring acts we see today. Some of you might remember Evil Knievel and all the things he did. Well, the Great Blondin, it said one day, was drawing a crowd because he was at Niagara Falls and had stretched, a, uh, had had a tightrope stretched across Niagara Falls. And, and, you know, people are always drawn to the spectacular. And so there's a big crowd around him. And, uh, before he started out, he looked at the crowd and said, now, how many of you believe that I can walk across this tightrope across Niagara Falls? And the crowd cheered and said, we believe, we believe, you can do it, do it, go ahead. And then he upped the ante. He said, how many of you believe that I can push this wheelbarrow across the tightrope as I go across? We believe, that's great, do it. Go to it. He asked a third question. How many of you would be willing to come in the wheelbarrow as I do it? Nobody. You see, Jesus understood. We, when he said, believe in me, he wasn't just saying, believe that I am Jesus as a person, and, and, and give assent to who I am. The devil believes in Jesus. But believe in who I am, really. What I'm calling you to. What it means to follow me. Day by day. All the way through. Because that's what's going to eventually transform us into the new creation that he wants for us. I'm going to read the last five verses of Matthew, excuse me, of, of John chapter 6, or the following five. Verse 35 through 40, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty but you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son believe in him should have eternal life. 
I will raise them up at the last day. See, Jesus now brings it down to what it's really all about. That we are to follow him for the bread that lasts for eternity. He says, I don't want to lose anyone. I don't want anyone to perish. You see, Christ came for broken and lost people like you and like me. And, and he knows what we deal with and he knows our life. But that's what drove him to heal, to set people free, to, to change their heart so that they could have a heart that's open to live for him. Now, I think about that a lot because practically speaking, it's easier said than done. And so all of us probably travel at different times and uh, we take baggage. We got a suitcase. And think of this this morning that this, this suitcase represents all of the things, all of the experience from our childhood on through life. Because practically speaking, we carry that around all the time. Whatever's in this bag, is all the blessings of life, all the good things of life, the hurts of life, the bad habits that we develop, the, the wrong things that we got ourselves involved in, the mistakes we've made, the wrong choices. There's a lot of baggage that all of us carry. That's life. We all have a suitcase. Now, what, what Jesus said about the new life is this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Here's how I think about transformation. I, I've seen some people, uh, when they come to Christ, miraculously transformed in, in miraculous ways very fast. Uh, a man early in my ministry who was an alcoholic came to Christ and his testimony was from that day on. I never never drank. I never craved a drink. And I, it wasn't just that I knew that I couldn't drink anymore. I had destroyed so much of my life. But that that just left me. I was transformed. Now, I believe God can do that. God often does that. He takes things out of our life that, that need to go because we trust him and we follow him. But transformation is... Not just a momentary thing. This baggage that we've carried all of our life doesn't just vanish. Paul said in the scripture, there's a long list, so I won't, won't go into all of them, but put off the old life, put on the new. It's kind of a theme of Paul's letters, that there's old that has to go, and there's new that has to come. Now, I like that. A lot of times we, in Christianity, say, well, I don't like all the do's and don'ts of things. I like to think of old and new. We do some things because Christ puts them into our life. We don't do some things because Christ removes them out of our life. And, and carrying the baggage means that as we're walking our journey of faith, we're, we're removing the old stuff that's revealed to us that needs to go, and we're putting in new stuff. Every time you travel, 
Got to put stuff in the bag. But when you get ready to take a trip, you don't put a bunch of dirty clothes in there and use stuff. You put clean clothes, all the stuff that you need. My experience, and I think the Bible reinforces this, is that the old just doesn't go, okay, I'm gone. It goes kicking and screaming. Because that grip that some stuff has had on our life, that's where the enemy really wants us, stuck. And so temptations don't go away, do they? I have the same temptations. We always had. We all do. And they don't just knock gently on the door. They kick it down. The old is gone, but we have to realize that and then allow Christ by his strength and power transforming us from within the discipline to not just let it go, but add the new that he puts into our life. The Christian life isn't just getting rid of stuff. It's that new spirit Christ puts within us. It's, it's that new way of living. But as we grow step by step, comes in. That is life. That's truly life. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Now, I want to wrap all of this up with a few things about living with our hearts open. You see, if your heart is open, all of this can happen. If it's not, none of it can. It starts there. It starts in our heart. And uh, there, there's costs to a transformed life. It costs us. Jesus said, if anyone would come to me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? Well, he's just trying to show us it's not all a bed of roses as a Christian. Everything just doesn't get pretty and stay that way. You're going to face the same stuff everybody else does. It's just how you live, but it's going to cost you. Three things that become new. First is new practices, new practices. If we're putting Christ first in our life, it's going to bring to us some, some new things in our relationships. Letha and I will be married 47 years this summer. Um, I married up. Most of you can <laughs> know that. Uh, but we stood at an altar, like any of us perhaps has gotten married and made vows and pledged to be faithful to one another as long as we both shall live. Well, that's, that's a cost of a relationship. That, that I would be faithful to Letha exclusively, that means the cost is there's not a bunch of other stuff or other people involved. I'm faithful to her. That's a cost of a relationship. It's how God designed that relationship. So we practice putting Christ first in our relationships, and that bit puts some boundaries around us in many places. It's going to cost in our possessions. We're talking about bread of life. 
as Adonis put it well at the start of the service, God owns it all. We are stewards. We are, we are those who use the things God has given us, that, that salary that we get, that whatever ways that God provides for us, it's not ours to control. There's a boundary around that. It's ours to use. That's why the, the discipline of giving is so important, because it reminds us that we trust in God. And he takes care of us if we'll put him first. But there's a cost. Probably one of the biggest costs and practices is, is controlling of life. We love to be in control of our life. I'm going to do it my way. Anybody find that that's kind of the last thing to go? Because <laughs> we like to be in charge. And, and the Christian life is a constant yielding and, and surrender as God guides us. Now, that's a, that's a cost. That's a discipline. That doesn't happen naturally. We have, as we said in our baggage here, all kinds of tendencies and personality that have built up through the years for a lot, for a lot of reasons. Some good, some not so good. We have to decide what's got to go. So new practices. There's also new rewards. Um, as I mentioned, call to ministry. I, I, one of my biggest hurdles was, is God going to take care of me? I'd rather take care of myself. And God assured me of that. The rewards and opportunities we've had over these many years, the amazing people we've been able to to have in our life that have blessed us. And the, the decisions we've seen where Christ has turned lives around and the rewards have been amazing. But never easy. When people are your product, people are people. <laughs> never been able to change anybody's heart. Only God opens hearts. So through these many, many years, there were times... When, when, for want of a better way to put it, you get knocked down seven times, you get up eight. Because though things aren't easy, God's rewards far outweigh any, any stuff that we might accumulate. New rewards. And then there's new foundations. New foundations. At the end of this chapter, you go to the end of the verses, after Jesus lays all this out, says, here's my bread that I give you. Verse 66, and this isn't going to be on the screen, it says, At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve who would later betray him. You know, all the way through, Jesus impacted crowds of people because they were wanting what he could give them. But he never sought crowds. Crowds came. 
But then when he would say things like he did in this chapter, the crowds left. They didn't want to get in the wheelbarrow. And so Peter, at the end of this chapter, Jesus turns to to him and says, are you guys going to leave too? These are the guys that he's given his life to. And Peter, who always seemed to be the spokesman, says, Lord, to whom would we go? Now, I'd like to think Peter's heart was really in the right place. I hope he isn't saying, if there was any place else to go, I'd go there. I don't think that's what he meant. I think what he meant was, Lord, I've I've tried a lot of paths. I've messed up a lot. I know that following you is the way to go. You have the words of eternal life. That's the transformation answer. That's the sign that your heart is where it's supposed to be. You have the words of eternal life, Lord. Out of all these paths, I'm going to follow you. Jesus always drew people, never forced them. Doesn't force us. But many do turn away. Those who follow Jesus wanting what he can give them won't last. But those who follow Jesus and say, you know what? God's grabbed a hold of my heart and I know that I know. And I'm going to follow him. A lot of discouragement sometimes with that. You're going to come to points in your life, well, this isn't happening, that didn't happen, what am I supposed to do? I'm disappointed. But if we keep getting up, God reveals to us those great rewards that only come from following him. Always the lures of the world will be around. But those who seek him with an open heart, he still makes all things new. Again and again.